The evil of corruption reaches into every corner of the world. Corruption lies at the heart of the most urgent problems we face. Welcome to Confidential Brief, where Chad Thomas takes you into the stories behind the issues facing our society. Good afternoon and welcome to Confidential Brief. We're broadcasting Johannesburg on 101.9 FM worldwide on chaifm.com. And of course, we've chatted of late um, regarding the uh, increased um, interest in prosecuting um, criminals in South Africa that have been involved in state capture, fraud, corruption. We've interviewed people such as Willy Hofmeyer, who was with the SIU as well as the Asset Forfeiture Unit. Um, and we've, we've even discussed the issue with criminals themselves who've given us the blueprint as to how to capture a state. But it doesn't help if you don't have the necessary people in a position to investigate these crimes. Now, we've seen budget has been allocated to the National Prosecuting Authority by the National Treasury at the end of last year, some one billion rand to um, ensure capacity at the NPA in respect of employing new prosecutors as well as to fund the new investigative directorate. But what about your normal investigations that are taking place in both the public and private sector? What about the investigators that are working for the police that don't have the necessary skills um, to be able to put together a case and prove the elements of a crime? Well, with that in mind, we're chatting today to Nick Willoughby, who's going to be taking us through the training that's offered in the private and public sector in respect of forensic investigations. And most importantly, we're going to be discussing with Nick the importance of 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 understanding what forensic investigations is and for all aspirant forensic investigators out there, the diversity of this field. I'd like to remind you that the views expressed on the show are not necessarily those of CHI-FM. You're listening to The Confidential Brief with Chad Thomas on Hi fm In studio with me today is Nick Ulafi. He represents a brand known as Forensics for Africa and has been involved extensively in the training of forensic practitioners um, across the entire spectrum of the term forensics. Nick, welcome to the show. Thanks, Chad. Thanks for having me. Nick, often when, when people see one of our branded vehicles that says forensic investigations and they know about a company, IRS Forensics, they assume that we're involved in pathology and DNA, etc. It seems like such a broad term. How would you explain to aspirant forensic investigators what forensic actually covers and what it means? Well, the term forensics this is sort of defined as preparing a case file for court purposes. Or then there's also an argument to say that it's for public discussion. So I would really look at context first. Um, you know, if they want to ask questions about investigation itself, I would say, good, that would be the um, discussion and the preparation of a case file for criminal court by purposes or civil, um, depending on the case. When it gets to the scientific side of it or the pathology side of it, um, it's really the gathering of evidence for the support to provide support to the investigator in terms of proving um, uh, somebody was at the crime scene or what happened and provide a better picture of what happened at that specific incident. What I find fascinating is that your organization covers forensics in terms of its entirety, um, whereas most organizations touch on aspects of the term forensics. You, you offer training in everything from DNA all the way across to question document analysis, all the way through to fraud investigation. Um, do you find that in terms of the training offered, people are finding that they, they prefer a niche 
or are people wanting to have an overall knowledge when it comes to the investigation of a crime? I think it's a mixed bag. Um, on the one hand, uh, you have the investigators um, that really want to focus in on having access to specific um, evidence uh, utilizations in terms of uh, f- having tools to help them pr- proving their case. Um, on the other side, you have uh, the scientific side of it, and there we can look at the typical CSI syndrome. And I think uh, programs like, CS- like CSI really enhance the focus on DNA. Um, we also had a lot of uh, big cases that DNA comes in. So there's a very big interest in the DNA side of it, the biology side of it, bodily fluid side of it. So it's really depending on where you come from. Um, if you are a couch detective, then the science side will interest you probably more. But if you are an actual detective, um, you want to know what tools are available for you to use to enhance the chances of uh, prosecution successfully. You started off as a policeman. You come from a family of police officers. Tell us a bit about your journey. Well, yes, um, I started off as a policeman. My dad was a policeman, Dr. Nick Willifir. Um, he obviously grew, uh, we were in the police college for a while, so I grew up in the police college in Pretoria West. So I um, had a sort of exposure to the police from a different angle. Um, and uh, went uh, to the police college also, um, then went through to the to the uh, commercial crime unit or the fraud unit. Um, after that, in my studies, I also looked at uh, um, business management. So I went into the private sector for a while. And then in 2008, uh, the opportunity arose to, to really um, assist with training in the forensic and um, resolving of crime spaces. Um, and I took that, and uh, yeah, I mean, now we are here. With your father being a, a high-ranking police officer, was there always an expectation that you'd become a police officer? No, I don't think from his side. Um, I remember reading a school report when I was like a, in, in, in pre-primary school, and um, uh, the, the teacher said uh, that Nick was in, in, inseparable from his police cap. So I think it was something that I just took on and I, I worked uh, with it. Um, and be- because my exposure was police, um, but I always had business management in me. So uh, at the end of the day, I really wanted the combination of the, f- the, the, the corporate investigation because that interests me. But detective, uh, being a detective um, in my blood for all practical purposes also um, interests me. So the, the combination of the two actually helps quite a bit. When discussing this this interview with you beforehand, um, you mentioned that through your organization, more than 20,000 police officers have been trained over the years and an insurmountable amount of people in the private sector. Does this mean that you believe strongly in public-private partnerships? Definitely. I believe that um, any any government institution that uh, believes that they can do it all on their own um, – should reconsider. Um, I believe that the public-private um, partnerships is very important due to the fact that skill sets are not always only in one place. You need to have a diverse skill set and provide um, experience from different angles to the people that you are trained. Now, in terms of the police officers that you tra- uh, you trained, I was being very conservative when I said 20,000. It's actually closer to 30,000. What were the kind of courses that were being offered to the police? 
Well, at that point in time, um, the uh, a new act uh, was um, brought to the table where they allowed the police to draw DNA samples from a buccal swap in the inside of the cheek. And uh, our company at that point in time was uh, the successful candidate in the tender process where we um, then provided the official training as mandated by the law uh, to the police officers to enable them or, or, or qualify them to actually um, take that sample legally. Um, so, yeah, it was about 20, 27,000 um, police officers over, uh, over 969 workshops nationally. Is it satisfying knowing that you, you're giving somebody the, the tools and the knowledge to be able to reduce contact crimes by being able to identify suspects? Yes, definitely. I think me and the team um, and everybody involved over the years in the company and in the processes running uh, alongside the company has that same passion to to, to really uh, share our knowledge and, sh- and and be in a position to actually assist. I mean, this is one of those big um, projects that the police took on and we successfully executed it and uh, now the police sit with a lot of um, police officers that are accredited to actually take those buccal samples. But it's not only the buccal samples that we need to look at. Um, from a forensic science point of view, we also believe that if you have access to the tools, and but you don't know how to use the tools, then you're not efficient. We want, and our passion is to actually show you and expose you to the tools themselves so you can apply it as a detective in the police and in the corporate sector to the situation at hand. DNA analysis has been a game changer worldwide. No one can deny the importance of DNA. Um, once these courses had been offered and the law changed in South Africa, was was there ever a study done that could show um, or measure the difference made in now being able to use DNA analytics? Look, DNA has been used by the South African Police Service for many years now. Um, this just made it easier to get samples of suspects and of, of, of um, people that were already convicted um, in order to match them with other crime scenes where the DNA were on the database, but it wasn't linked to an individual. It was linked to a crime scene, but not to an individual per se. So the, 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 the use of DNA is quite elaborate in South Africa, and we have a very good um, component that deals with that within the South African Police Services. Um, what what the principle of DNA is, it, it actually puts you on a scene. It doesn't prove that you have committed a crime. So that's why it's still a tool for the detective to just narrow his focus or her, or her focus um, while approaching the investigation. It's amazing how complex DNA sounds, but when one goes back more than 100 years and one starts looking at people that, that studied um, the criminal mind and study crime scenes, they always said there would be some or other transfer from the criminal to the scene. Yeah. Uh, contact theory, I mean, the transfer of any, um, any, any, anything that you touch, you will either take something with you or you will leave something there. Um, technology has just evolved over time. Uh, you know, we had fingerprints, um, that was the, and it still is the, the main um, technology in science that actually put you on a crime scene or put somebody near a crime scene. Um, DNA has now catch up with fingerprints um, because it is just a bit more difficult to analyze. It takes longer. But the two in, comp- uh, comp- in, 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 in concert with each other actually assist the police quite well in, in, in determining who is the suspects that they have to um, look at. 
Very interesting conversation I'm having today with Nick Willifee regarding forensics in South Africa. And for all aspirant um, detectives out there, stay tuned because we're going to be talking more about the forensic field. We're going to take a short break. If you want to contact us, you can tweet us at FM, You can SMS us 34519 or you can telegram us 061-895-1019. You're listening to The Confidential Brief with Chad Thomas on High FM. I'm chatting to Nick Willoughby today from Forensics for Africa. Um, he is an experienced ex-police officer who runs an organization that trains people in the forensic science environment. Um, and it's, it's something that's so important because... Everybody blames the National Prosecuting Authority and the judiciary for, for, for not doing their job. But what they don't realize is it has to start somewhere and it has to start at the scene of the crime, whether it's a financial crime, whether it's a contact crime, whether it's a crime of passion, whatever the case may be, it has to start somewhere. Tell us more about your crime scene management courses and how you take people through that training. One of the um, electives within one of our national certificates, National Certificate Forensic Science, which is an NK5 qualification, um, is a crime scene reconstruction and uh, fingerprinting. Uh, the purpose of that qualification or that specific elective in the qualification is to really show aspirant or new detectives and even the more experienced detectives um, the the tricks that were that was the research over the years by the academics but also that was applied by specialized uh, people within the uh, crime scene reconstruction and crime scene investigation um, uh, components within the police and other police environments um, how to approach it um, what do you need to do to actually safeguard evidence, preserve evidence? Um, how do you collect it? Even though the South African Police Services detective doesn't really do that anymore, um, but they need to recognize what the options is so that when the, um, the crime scene technician arrives, that they can allocate and show out where they want to receive um, um, evidence from and collect it from the, the specific incident scene. So it's more uh, information and um, let's hone your brain towards thinking in a specific way when you approach a crime scene. Um, collecting of evidence is not always the responsibility of the Investigator, uh, even with uh, digital forensics, there's other people that specialize that come and collect the evidence. But this, as an investigation investigator, you need exposure to where to look for what, and that is um, the focus of that specific um, elective within the in the qualification. We know that the security industry in South Africa is has now exploded in that it's now the biggest employer in, in the private sector. And because there's so many feet on the ground, they, they're basically acting as force multipliers to the South African police services and often break on a scene first. Do you think it would be necessary going forward for um, security officers working in that response environment to at least know the basics of crime scene management so that they can preserve that scene until the police arrive and the, and the crime scene technicians arrive? I believe that's essential. Um, uh, your security industry is first on the scene. Uh, we can you know, color it in as what we want and how we want to, but they are first on the scene. Uh, they normally um, 
at the the facilities because they are there permanently. Um, so they need to know what to do, uh, how to do it, what to look out for, um, in order to uh, to prevent cross contamination, um, evidence to be moved or st- uh, stolen. Um, it's essential to train them. Um, it doesn't need to be a qualification. It doesn't need to be you know a, a month or two months training, but to provide them with essential skills to be able to just keep the fort um, f- until the, the troops arrive, that's important. So can I take it for granted that the crime scene courses, um, the DNA courses, etc., you don't restrict that to just the um, – to the to – the, to the, to the, to the, to the statutory law enforcement. Civilians can also come do this course with you. Yes, uh, a lot of our, our students currently is not employed by the South African Police Services or any of the other statutory bodies. Uh, some of them are employed by banks and financial institutions that um, may or may not in their position do investigations. But it is not really about for us uh, about uh, you know empowering only the police services or the or the investigative bodies uh, we want to empower the public as well and that's why it's open to anybody to enroll for those courses and the average um, duration of these courses um, and would you recommend somebody do these courses before after other studies and what do they need in terms of qualifications um, to be able to attend these kind of courses with your organization so when you look at the qualifications, um, we run a distance learning, um, primarily a distance learning, learning business. So there, um, it all depends on your study speed. Um, but anything from, um, eight months to 12 months, um, maybe 18 months if you, um, have some st- time constraints to complete the national certificates. The short courses or the crime scene, you know, courses, it depends on if it is class-based, which is normally a five-day course, or if it is distance learning, again, you know, it depends on your study speed. We don't force you to finish by X time. Uh, we really want to utilize, you to utilize your time and to assist, to be assisted by the tutors to, to, to go through the content and to understand it correctly. Um, and then from a from a, a, a requirement point of view uh, for the national certificates um, it's metric the 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 metric is the basic um, interest requirement of most qualifications we do provide especially for science we do provide a bridging course that uh, gives you a bit of um, information in terms of biology and, and chemistry and um, maths um, to assist you through the course if you did not have those subjects in in in, in school um, we also partnered up with um, an institution that um, offers non-credit-bearing versions of our qualification. So if qualification per se is not your 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 focus, we then um, utilize our um, relationship with Skills Academy to provide you with non-credit-bearing version thereof. When one looks at programs like the E2 program, which has encouraged a public-private partnership between police and certain security companies in certain areas, we're seeing the value of the rollout of these public-private partnerships. But we need to ensure that the people that are working in these partnerships are capacitated. Have you seen an increase or have you seen applications from the private security industry to, to attend any of these courses with you? At this point in time, no. Um, the private uh, security industry, um, I don't know if there's a, a, a bit of a misunderstanding in terms of the application of forensics in the environment, but I think it's all about, you know, engaging with them and train, and, and, and uh, educating them in terms of what the value of it is. Um, but at this point in time, no, there's no increase in, in the private security industry. 
that to me comes as a great surprise because we mentioned that the, the, the private security industry is acting as force multipliers. They break first at a scene, and it's critical for them to ensure that that scene is preserved. And I think it's definitely something um, – I'm busy doing business development here – but it's something that that needs to get out to the security industry. And I know that you have engaged with the very top echelons of the security industry. But I think if these public partnerships are going to be expanded upon, as we're seeing um, happening within state law or within state law enforcement and the private sector, they're going to have to make it a condition that if your company's a force multiplier on the ground and you're responding and you're going to be first at that scene, you know how to preserve that scene and manage that scene. I agree. I think the bigger problem here is that um, the security guards that maybe are in that specific um, partnerships focus maybe on the investigation portion thereof instead of focusing on their role within that environment. Um, The police should do the investigation part if it is a crime that was committed, but um, they have a preserve and a protect uh, function. And therefore, the forensic science and the fields of the forensic science that uh, can be utilized and to to, to identify um, different evidence sources um, and samples that could be collected should be in the four minds of any security officer on scene um, in order to make sure that uh, the evidence is protected and not uh, cross-contaminated. We're chatting about um, the need for training within this, the forensic field. And when we come back from our, our halfway break, we're going to talk about something that is most definitely my passion, and that is the investigation of financial-related crimes in South Africa and corruption. You're listening to The Confidential Brief with Chad Thomas on High FM. I'd have to read that to you guys. I thought maybe by this stage of the game, after 10 years, and we're now in our 11th year as a station, you would have downloaded absolutely everything Chai FM orientated. One of the only radio stations in the world that brings you a 24-hour helpline with a toll-free number 0800 I think that Chai FM expresses ultimately what a community radio station is all about. Today in studio, I'm chatting to Nick Ullafi, and it has been an absolutely fascinating um, conversation up until now. We're chatting about the very broad um, area of expertise known as forensics. And forensics, we've discussed so far, has involved DNA, it's involved crime scene management. But now we're going to talk more about the forensic examiners, um, forensic practitioners, and forensic investigators that deal with the world of finance and the world of financial crime, organized crime, and money laundering. When did you decide, and obviously as an ex-commercial crime police officer, it's something you've always been passionate about, but when did you decide to incorporate these kind of courses um, into the Forensics for Africa package? Well, initially um, there were qualification, the National Certificate of Resolving of Crime, and um, which had a double-edged sword. The one, on the one uh, edge it was for the police themselves, and on the other side it was for the corporate sector. And as part of the corporate component, corporate elective of the qualification, um, uh, investigation of corrupt um, activities and um, uh, money laundering related cases <coughs> were some of the unit standards. So when the qualification came to an end, we decided to take that package and um, present it as a um, skills program um, specifically focusing on on the investigation of anti-corruption and uh, money laundering. Now, South Africa has um, various legislation and various case law um, that that empowers 
organizations that aren't state and empowers individuals to investigate. And primarily financial crime is a massive growth area. In fact, the ACFE through um, the insurance CETA have had listed as one of the critical scare skills in South Africa that of examiners, fraud examiners, otherwise known as fraud investigators, etc. And you have, have have now introduced a course which will be at NQF eight level. Now NQF eight for those that that, that don't um, follow the um, the framework of how qualifications are measured in South Africa would be equivalent to an honors program at university. So this is huge news from your side that there's now an NQF eight um, course that's been accredited and is going to be rolled out sometime in, in, in the coming months. Tell us a little bit more about what that course is about, what it entails and what it will enable able somebody to do should they complete it? The NQF8 um, Occupational Certificate Fraud Examiner um, was initiated uh, by the ACF in South Africa um, as an upgrade of the Advanced Certificate Fraud Examiner that is on a level 7. Um, it initially started on a level 6. Um, so the qualification was registered under the uh, Quality Council of Trade and Occupations um, and SACWA um, a year and a half ago about. And uh, that now requires skills development providers to register as skills development providers, which um, uh, we did um, under the company name, Outsource Learner Management. Um, we got our accreditation as skills development provider in December last year. And um, now we are busy in the process of really um, unpacking the qualification in terms of how to take it to the market because of the diverse requirements within the qualification. Um, there's typically two groups of people that could um, get involved at this point in time. Uh, the first group is um, certified fraud examiners that's already certified. Um, they would go through a, a, a shorter program than the um, the, the, the non-CFE um, group, um, the entrance to the new entrance to the industry. Uh, at this point in time, uh, from our company's point of view, the first enrollment um, season starts on the 7th of uh, February and it will run until the 27th of March um, uh, where we will accept applications. Uh, then from there, there will be class-based and um, self-study and workplace experience um, components in the qualification. As you can understand with the NQF8, it's not a two-day course and you get a certificate. Uh, there's some work that needs to take place. Um, there's a, there, there must be employers involved and the commitment of the employers to actually monitor and give you exposure in certain, in certain um, instances like risk management and um, frameworks um, will be very important. Um, so this qualification won't be for a matriculant that just uh, got their results. Um, it will most likely be for somebody that already has a degree um, or qualifications behind their name and um, that will qualify within the rules of the qualification that we're not going to go into now. Um, and then uh, need to have some experience um, in the field related to prevention, detection, or responding to fraud-related matters. Uh, hopefully by um, next week, uh, Friday, the end of the month, um, or definitely before the 7th of February, um, um, more documentation will be available on um, our website, and then um, uh, people can start applying so that we can see if they qualify. It's good to see organizations such as the ACFE and the ICFP partnering with um, 
universities partnering with 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 organizations such as yourself, et cetera, to ensure that the the training is there and that people can grow and it's it's something that's that's there it's alive because just like fraud changes, so does the investigation of fraud change. There's new trends all the time. So when one sees partnerships like the ACFE has with the University of Pretoria or the ICFP has with University of Northwest or UNISA, it encourages one and it makes one feel um, somewhat at ease that there is education taking place in South Africa to further the studies of practitioners both in the, the private sector as well as in the public sector. Let's talk more about other courses that aren't quite at the NQF8 level, but that can also um, help people that want to go into the industry. For example, question documents analysis. We've seen um, people fabricate documents all the time. We see that people forge signatures, whether it's wills, whether it's letters of credit, whether it's financial instruments. You offer a, a course. Is it part of a greater course or, or is it a standalone course in terms of QDA? It's both. Um, we can do it as a standalone course or as part of the uh, National Certificate of Forensic Science. The, um, it's one of the electives question documents. Uh, it's one of the electives in the National Certificate of Forensic Science. Uh, but to, to what we also added as part of the, uh, the standalone course is uh, a, a module called Fields of Forensic Science. So it first gives you exposure to all the fields of forensic science. And then um, it takes you through to the question document um, where it will look at handwriting and it will look at um, falsifying and indentations of um, on paper. Um, the challenge of of the challenge is that we are living in a digital world, and digital forensics um, becomes now a bit of a, a, a focus because of the fact that uh, people don't use paper anymore. Um, a lot of people still use paper, and that is where the discipline will work. But when it comes to electronics, it's totally a different field. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk more about those courses that are orientated towards financial crime, digital crime, and obviously anything that relates to fraud and corruption in South Africa. You're listening to The Confidential Brief with Chad Thomas on High FM. I'm chatting to Nick Ulafi today from Forensics for Africa. We started with DNA. We went to crime scene. We then landed up with forensic examination. We've gone to financial crime. We've looked at question document analysis. And now we're sitting on digital crime investigation. Do you find it important that digital crime become a priority in terms of training for um, law enforcement officials, both in the public and private sector? Yes, I do. Um, I also believe that um, giving exposure to the public in terms of how to safeguard the information, but not only that, also be vigilant in terms of um, how they use technology um, would also be a nice deterrent and preventative measure um, in future. Uh, we, we partnered up with Risk Diversion um, uh, in Pretoria to design a, uh, a another elective within the forensic science qualification, which would be this digital forensics, that will also have different levels. Um, there's also short courses available specifically on, on cell phone forensics, um, network forensics, computer forensics. Um, and I think that, that, that is just show how um, we as private sector works together to actually bring to the table um, options, accredited options from a training point of view and to assist um, companies to utilize their skills development grants, to, to utilize their levies um, uh, and, and send people um, on those courses. 
We in January we have a matric class that's just um, graduated. We're going to have a lot of parents out there whose kids are interested in getting involved in law enforcement. Where would they start if they had to come to your organization? What would your recommendation be to them um, as an entry-level program working their way up to a national certificate? My suggestion always to any matriculant, um, there's two groups of matriculants, the one that wants to take a, a, a gap year and the one that needs to go and study something immediately to get on with it. Um, the gap year people, you know, just enroll for the National Certificate of Forensic Science. Um, it is distance learning. It's um, assignment-based uh, uh, qualification. Um, you can step into your first year at university with at least some sort of uh, qualification behind your name. You didn't waste a year of your time just partying or having vacations. So do something. Keep your mind uh, busy. For the ones that wants to study and want to really go into a, into a specific um, area, um, the forensic science qualification is also a good place to start. But you can also do it in semesters. You can do it in small pieces. So you can do the skills programs that will all fill up to all the credits um, that the full qualification needs. Um, so maybe start with the fields of forensic science if you only want to do one of the skills programs. That will broaden your mind and broaden your exposure to the different types of um, forensic science um, applications. And then from there you can maybe decide, okay, I want to do crime scene reconstruction or I want to do DNA or I don't want to do the digital side or, if I, want, or I want to do the, uh, the question documents. So that's, that's, that's pretty much where... Uh, I'm standing with regards to that. Uh, do the qualification or decide to do portions of bite sizes of the qualification. Um, but don't sit at home and do nothing. Uh, keep yourself busy. Um, in, 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 in enhance your knowledge of what is happening in the field so that you have that exposure. Even if you decide to go and su- study BSc, but you want to take a gap year, do some sort of forensic thing so that you can understand how that field impacts um, science in a different way. Okay, let's restructure the question. People that are already involved in the security industry, um, in the private investigation industry, etc., what skills are scarce at the moment that they should be looking at and that they should be getting training for? I think if you look at the courts, um, it's really basically two things. Firstly, the correct handling of evidence. Uh, the, the prevention of cross-contamination of evidence is very important. The second one is the analysis of the evidence and the actual presenting thereof to actually satisfy the elements of a specific incident or crime. Those two things are most important um, from my point of view. We're obviously seeing a a massive influx in digital-related crime. If people study that, do they need to look at a specific area or does the courses offered um, offer a generalized overview of digital crime in South Africa? Um, as an introduction to the digital forensics, the rest of the version has a uh, uh, nice exposure to the different um, types of digital f- um, uh, crimes that are committed. And then you can choose between the, 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 the cell phone and the other types of digital um, applications um, in forensics. I think the important thing to remember here is that you're not going to really know where your interest lies before you actually get yourself some exposure to it. But in terms of skill scarcity, if somebody had to come up to you now and say to you, Nick, I want to study, I want to make a difference in the fight against crime, 
Where would you point them? Would you point them towards DNA? Would you point them towards the investigation of contact crimes by securing um, crime scenes? Or would you point them in the direction of financial crimes, question documents analysis, digital investigation? I believe that within, in South African context, all of them are equally um, unsatisfied in terms of the quantity of people inter- uh, uh, working in those fields. Um, the biggest impact um, is the financial crimes. So I'm a, I'm a firm believer financial crimes should be um, the forefront. But financial crimes is in components. The, you, your digital component thereof um, and the investigation thereof is going to be much more important in the future, uh, now and in the future, than, for example, document analysis would be. Um, from a contact crime, DNA and fingerprinting and reconstruction is of the utmost importance. Uh, so it's really, at this point in time, where do you want to go and work? If you want to go into the police services or you, you are in the police services, we're currently providing specials for detectives as well on the forensic science qualification, um, then choose um, the, the crime scene reconstruction if you are a detective. If you are working in a laboratory or at the, at the uh, crime of the evidence collection units, then choose the, the crime scene reconstruction uh, uh, and the DNA um, component thereof. If you really want to go and work in the laboratory with the bodily fluids, the DNA option is there, um, and they also have an NQF6, uh, the National Certificate for Forensic Biology on NQF6 that you can then follow to the next year. When you look at the corporate sector, the corporate sector, financial crimes and digital crimes is the way to go. Uh, those two is the two I will, will really, really focus on if I were a new entry. I need to ask you this, and I think it's something that everybody needs to understand. How lacking right now is the skill set in terms of quantity within both our private and public sectors? From a private sector point of view, even though there is uh, money and capacity, um, if you speak to the investigators in the banks and the insurance industry and the private sector, you can really see that they are overcapacitated. They, 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 they are overworked. Um, the, 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 even though they have resources, it's a bit of, it's still a bit of a, 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 a problem. They work very hard long hours. The police, unfortunately, sits with a lack of, of, of infrastructure. They are struggling in terms of, um, keeping motivation. Um, so there's gaps, there's big gaps, and uh, we need to address that not only through training but also through motivation. You need to, we need to come up with something that actually drives people in the industry to do better and be better every day. Nick, for all aspirant um, forensic investigators out there and people that are already in the industry that want to upskill themselves, how do they get hold of you? Uh, they can visit our website at uh, www.forensics4africa. That's a number four, uh, forensics4africa.com. Um, I think that's the best way. There you can send us emails from. All the information is uh, on there, and it's populated on a regular basis, with updated on a regular basis. Uh, that's the way to, to go. I think it's very important for our, guest, for, 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 for our listeners to understand what our guest has told us today, and that is the fact that there is a critical skill shortage out there in respect to the investigation of crimes. And we can't shout that there aren't sufficient prosecutions taking place if there isn't the investigation taking place from the outset by people who are qualified and accredited to do so. Nick, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for having me. Thank you. And if you need to find out more about Forensics for Africa, you can go to www.forensicsforafrica, the number, um, dot com.
and and have a look at the different courses because the the amazing thing about crime investigation is it covers everything. It means people can get their hands dirty all the way to working on 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 digital cyber analysis. And we really need people out there who are passionate and people are willing to learn more so that we can turn the tide against crime in South Africa. You've been listening to Confidential Brief. I'll be back same time, same place next week.